Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Oh my goodness. I'm super honored to be sharing with you another client success story and this one is so near and dear to me because I remember when Deanna and I, we first met and she was just such an inspiration, just super excited to get into short-term rentals. And yes. so her plans were one way, but yeah, here we are and things have really transpired. And if you guys aren't on my email list, you got to check it out because here's what I discuss. This is actually a misconception of mine because when I meet realtors, I'm always jealous. I'm like, oh, they got all the houses and access to all the listings. And that was a misconception because to me as an investor, it's like a kid in a candy store, right? Realtor, access to the listings. You have everything you need. You are balling. You get first crack at the best properties, right? Yeah. Until I was invited to speak at a Keller Williams event as a keynote speaker. And before arriving there, I was asking, and I told him, I was asking, like, what can I offer them? What can I even teach? They're realtors for crying out loud. And so, and this was earlier this year, like that naivety was not long ago, like legit recent. And so that's what I wrote about in the email recently. It's like, did you guys realize that not a lot of realtors are investing mm -hmm. in real estate? And so I am bringing to you Deanna, who has busted that wide open. And she says, not me. I am a realtor and I am investing not only in real estate, but I'm going to go ahead and invest in short-term rentals because I understand how powerful of a tool and a vehicle this is to provide me generational wealth. So without further ado, I'm not going to take anything away from you, Deanna. Please go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Hello, everybody. My name is Deanna Gerald, and I am a real estate agent and a real estate investor. I started my journey back in 2005 when I decided to take the real estate exam, and I've been a real estate agent since 2005, serving the community, helping people who didn't even believe that home ownership was achievable for them. So I started out in real estate and I started seeing other, I've always actually owned real estate myself, but I never owned it as a real estate investment. I never had any type of rental properties or anything like that. So it was just, it's just been a, a dream for me to achieve access to just helping my family to create generational wealth 
So I'm so glad that I found Rachel. I found Rachel online and this was a way that I felt like I could get it done a lot faster. I tried to do it on my own. I just felt like so many times that it was something I just couldn't accomplish on my own. Number one, I didn't have the education in order to get it done. I feel like to get it done right. And even though me as a real estate agent, like other agents, have access to the MLS, we just don't know. And I didn't know that I should be using that tool in order to gain access to real estate, purchasing real estate. And I felt like the same effort and energy that I put out helping buyers and sellers to sell in the purchase property, I felt like, why can't I do this for myself? You know, so I took it upon myself in the early stages of my real estate career to start attending different meetings and REI groups, real estate training groups. But I just, for some reason, I just wasn't connecting that well. And I just feel like sometimes people require something different in order to get the ball rolling. And I'm thankful that I found Rachel. Her, the program has been amazing. But back to being a real estate agent, for some real estate agents, we do. Well, I don't anymore, but most real estate agents just really just live paycheck to paycheck. And most real estate agents, because they're always chasing their next deal, they really don't have enough time to or have enough resources, money in order to save up, in order to, I'm going to say, obtain the more than just the American dream of home ownership. So, And something you just said that is so key because the variable nature of their income makes it harder. I had to take a step back and say, well, if it's deal per deal, can they really provide pay stubs that a bank would say, yes, this is solid and not necessarily. Yeah. So real estate agents have a very unique challenge in and of itself until they crack the code and make it big. But when you're not the top 1% or the top 10% in your market, you really have no stability, so to speak, right? And right. proving to the lenders that, okay, this is what I should expect month to month. They want to see two they years want... of that, right? Right, right. And a lot of my friends are real estate agents. So, I mean, I'm not just talking based on my experience, but I'm talking based on their experience too. I have a lot of friends that are trying to get that breakthrough, that, that are trying to purchase that first investment property. And it's hard. And it's a lot of people tell you that it's easy. It's not as easy as it sounds. But if you just keep at it and never give up, I'm just, I'm going to say I'm a testimony of a person that didn't give up. I'm not going to say I didn't want to give up. I went through a lot of different emotions. I'm going to say every emotion. Yeah. No demand. And strategies. Like you, you came yeah. in with different strategies in mind. You looked at the numbers, you were ready to go, but then you right. really dove in. You said, wait, this is not a good deal. Right. Yeah. And so you weren't ready for that. I remember that. So, so Deanna, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. You talk about like there, and I know you're in California. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because California real estate is a whole other story. Real estate is already challenging. California real estate is a whole other story, right? For sure. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about California. Let's talk about the fact that everybody thinks that their house is worth a million dollars. 
So it's really, it's difficult for most real estate agents. And then we have a real estate agent on every corner. Everybody's a real estate agent. Everybody's sister, mother. There's so many real estate agents. So it's a lot of competition, a lot of competition, but there are a lot of agents that really know their stuff and they are really just really making it doing very well. So I'm not going to say that it's not impossible. But real estate, being a real estate agent in California is different. It's really yeah. different. So, yeah. And what about investing, gotta, though, in California? Because that's something interesting for those of you who are just joining. So a lot of our students tend to invest out of state, which is another right. conversation as well. So investing in California, yeah. I can only imagine because I'm always looking for a bargain. I'm the girl from Haiti. I was looking for a deal. I'm like, California. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Investing in real estate in California is very difficult. And it just depends on your strategy. I mean, it could, if you're doing, if you're familiar with wholesaling, creative finance, if you have those type of skills down packed, then it's, I'm going to say that it's easier. And for most people, it's hard for them to obtain the traditional finance in, in order to make it happen. A lot of people just don't have that down payment for it to happen, but I'm glad I made it happen. Yeah. I'm glad I pushed through and made it happen. But what I wanted to also say is that I thought that I would, me investing in California would be a good fit. And it just turned out for right now, I'm not going to say that it won't happen, but right. it just wasn't a good fit for me. I tried that arbitrage method. In yeah. fact, my garage is filled with filled up with everything brand new from sofa dining tables, everything. I have everything that I really needed in order to be successful in terms of starting my first short-term rental, but it just didn't happen there. And I'm glad that I uh, just kept pushing and and I just decided that I wasn't going to continue to beat myself over the head and try to do it in California. I had to really get out of that box and think a lot larger, think of different areas. So what's interesting is not only the price point, right, Deanna, but the regulations were changing as quickly as possible. So I know we ran into that too, right? Yeah, for sure. When I first thought that, when I well, when I thought that I had my first short-term rental, what happened is that, of course, the regulation had changed, but it just, even though I wanted it, I didn't want to force it. It had to be right. So the regulations were changing and I felt like if I would have moved forward. And if I would have purchased that particular property, I think I would have had some issues later on. So I really feel like that if it doesn't fit, don't force it. And with me and with my family and I purchasing this current and our first short-term rental, everything fell into place. It wasn't forced. Everything just fell into place. And that's when I really knew that it was right. And I knew that it was my time. So I'm thankful for that. That's awesome, Deanna. So there's a lot of people out here right now just in the same situation thinking to themselves, will it ever be my turn? What was it for you that inspired you to want to join a cohort of other individuals who are going in the same direction as you? What was it for you that made you think, you know what, I have done the YouTube University, I've done the Google University, I want someone to actually hold my hand through this process and show me exactly from point A to point B where to go. What made you take that leap? Oh, it was so many things. It was, I knew that I needed accountability, number one. I knew I needed the education and the skills in order to be successful. 
I knew that there were people that had gone on before me, like you as also you. I mean, there's so many different people that are in the academy, but, you know, I knew that I needed the education that you were providing. And to be perfectly honest, I had attempted to become a part of different short-term rental groups. And it it was just, some sometimes I just felt like it was just too much information that was given and it wasn't the right information. And it wasn't user-friendly. And I really feel like your program and your academy is not only user-friendly, but I feel like it's just so much information. You don't have any stingy energy for one. And I feel like when you say that something is what it is, it's exactly what it is. I don't have any issues where later on I'm like, okay, well, I've only been given some of the education and where am I going to get the rest? And I think that your program is awesome, to be honest. And I feel like, I mean, it has really helped me to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm a note taker and I, I take a lot of notes, but it has really helped me to grow. And if there's ever anything that I, if I'm unsure about, I can always go back and refer back to the academy because everything is there. Everything that I need, I feel like in order to be successful, it's honestly there. But like I mentioned, I feel like it's the education, it's the accountability, it's the inspiration, it's the push. It's me seeing other short-term rental operators break through and be successful. And when you start seeing other people be successful, you start cheering them on. You just know that eventually it's just a matter of time before you're going to be successful. So that's what it is for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I agree with you a hundred percent, Deanna. It's that community setting, right? So within our cohort, we get good news and we get bad news and we get ugly news and we get sketchy news. (laughs) We get all of the above. And so being in that environment where we can cheer each other on, where we can kind of lean on each other. And I know you found some really good accountability partners that you could lean on within the program, which I think is amazing. Y'all, look, you think that this is about me. It really isn't. It's the other people in the room. Oh, my goodness. Just the inspiration. I'm learning from them. Uh, We're going to be doing a bank replacement strategy talk this upcoming week. It's something that I didn't know about until Shoshana had mentioned it. And so just really excited about the cohort that we have. So it sounds like, Deanna, you're saying don't go at it alone. And guys, I promise you, this isn't a sales pitch for LSA. Don't go at it alone. If you find a community that you trust and you feel comfortable with, go at it with that particular community. Okay. And so what would you say is your number one tip for other realtors who are looking for a solution, Deanna, who are looking for a way to get started? What is your number one tip for them? Don't wait. Don't procrastinate about it. Just go ahead and just do it. Just like the Nike slogan, (laughs) just do it. Get in there because if you start procrastinating one day, it'll turn into a week, turn into a month, turn into a year. It is achievable. Look at me. It happened for me. It can happen for you too. So my number one tip is to, and look, Dr. Rachel is not 
paying me for this. No. I'm going to tell you. Oh. Number one tip is join Dr. Rachel's Academy. That's what I'm going to say. That's what the, the number one tip for me to oh. share with everyone. Because uh, it's just been amazing for me. It's like a family to me. Yeah. And that's what I want it to feel like. You have no idea how proud I am of Deanna at how much she's accomplished. Because we did go through the ringer, right? Deanna started off with me with her heart set on arbitrage. She had her furnishings. Her garage is full. She's ready to go. She is going to do an arbitrage in California, right? And immediately we figured out what regulations were not in our favor. That's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. She then transitioned and looked at some out-of-state units. You looked at Houston. You looked at other places in Texas. Could you tell us a little bit about that, Deanna? Good. Yeah, I was looking. I was looking at some states that you didn't even know I was looking in, Dr. Rachel. Tell me. I was looking at, I was looking everywhere. I even have... One of my nephews just started sending me properties, but I was looking everywhere and it just wasn't a perfect, it wasn't a perfect fit for me. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm at right now, it's a perfect fit. So and what do you feel was missing? What was it to you that you say, you know what, I better hold off? Because how many times do we see something that we feel like, you know what, it's not a good fit, but we just barrel our way into it. It's still, I have so many mm-hmm. knots on my head from barreling my way into things that were not meant for me. What were some things to you that you just didn't feel settled and you didn't feel like, you know what, this is not what, you know, the universe, God, whoever, this is not what this is my plan, what's laid out for me. What were some things? Well, for number one, I had made a list of all the things that I wanted. In a, in a short-term rental. And I wanted a vacation destination. I wanted three, a three-bedroom. I didn't really have it in my crystal ball for a three-three or a three-bedroom, three-full bath, but God suffered it to be so, and I'm thankful. But I just, the, the price point had to be right, too. I didn't want to overpay for a property. Ooh. So like you mentioned before, I had to run the numbers. Make sure that it was right because I didn't want to just because, I mean, I have some money, but I didn't want to overspend. I didn't want to overpay for a property. So there were so many different things that had to be right. So Mm -hmm. I I hope I've answered that question. Yeah. So you had your, and we call that a lot of time our buy box, right? We want. Right. My buy box. Yeah. So they weren't fitting your buy box. So what you're telling others is have a vision mm-hmm. of what it is that you want, then you're not going to accept exactly. anything, right? So have a vision. Exactly. You want a place that not only you're going to rent as a short-term rental, but you may want to enjoy it too. If that's your goal, that's okay to have that goal. I, actually, I like yes. that a lot, yes. right? Yeah. Right, right. And one of the things about it in terms of having a place that I want to bring my family, it's large enough where I can accommodate my kids and their kids, and we can all have a good time. And I just wanted to have a space that can that will create some beautiful memories. I love it. I love it. So again, generational wealth. So not only from a financial right. standpoint, but from an experience standpoint. So when you buy sure. a short-term rental in an area that is a vacation mm-hmm. area that you can enjoy, it, it enriches your experiences as well, which I love. Yeah. So that's okay. So Deanna, you gave us some really great gems there. Have a vision. 
your buy box, understand what it is that you really want. And that's something we do in module one is the six key decisions. Is this just going to be a rental to generate revenue? Or do we want it to be a mixture? Do we want it to be something that we also can enjoy and it generates revenue, which is kind of the best of both worlds. So I really, really love that. And so the other thing is one common mistake that I do see, again, we spoke about those who just go into a deal the numbers aren't right. The location to them is quite meant. So they're just going to go because they just want to create this, you know, this opportunity for themselves. What do you say to the person who's rushing into a bad deal? Let's just call it a bad deal. I'm going to call it what it is. You say you didn't want to overpay. For you, overpaying is a bad deal. And I agree with you. What do you say to the individual who is rushing into a bad deal? Because what I see with you, Deanna, is you have the patience of Job, and I love that because we're <laughs> celebrating. She goes, no, I don't. <laughs> Behind the I scenes, wish, you're like. <laughs> you know what? I wish that I had the patience of Job. I really don't, but thank you for that compliment. But I just had to just be still and just, yeah. it just didn't, if something didn't feel right, that was a signal to me that I had to be still and I just had to just wait. But I'm just going to say, don't rush the process. It's the process. Don't rush it because you're going to regret it in the end. You're going to be probably stuck with a short-term rental where you're not going to be making any money. It's just things are just going to go wrong from the start. And you're going to regret that you made that purchase. So just take your time. Make sure that you are doing your homework, doing your research, running your numbers, and making sure that it's, I mean, nothing's going to be perfect. You want it to be close to being perfect, right? Yeah. So just slow down and just know that eventually it's going to happen. Just never give up and know that it's going to happen. But you want it to be right when it happens. I love that. So Deanna, let's talk some tactics here. So you flew from state to state. And I know you went, you looked at some things, you ran the numbers, you decided, you know what? Not a good fit. You went back to California. You flew out again, looked at some things. A lot of people say, you know, I'm already here. I'm going to do this deal. You decided it's not, that's not yeah. what where I'm going to go. When did the shift happen from all in on arbitrage to, you know what, I'm going to purchase you know what, I'm something. Gonna purchase. Well, I think it was, okay, the shift happened for me was when I had initially started out looking for Look, thinking that I was going to arbitrage in L.A., but looking at the rents, which were like anywhere from 3500 to 4000 a month for a two-bedroom, and knowing that if I did that, I probably wouldn't even break even. It was just, it wasn't going to work. There's no meat so, left on that bone. No, no, <laughs> meat, no, meat, no meat and no bone. No meat, no bone. <laughs> So, but the shift happened for me when I finally had to get rid of the fear mm-hmm. of being out of state. The, I know mm-hmm. people, so many short-term rental gurus or specialists are always saying, oh, well, your first one should be 10 minutes away. I had to get out of that and that, that feeling of fear because at first it was fear. Fear did kick in. But I had to know that if I was going to accomplish it, it just wasn't going to happen in California, not my first one at least. So when I let go of the fear and just started looking elsewhere, 
And I talked to you and I had a conversation. I don't know if you had a conversation, you didn't remember this conversation, but you told me that if I can hop on a plane and I can be there within, I think you said, what, two to five hours or something like that, or two to five hours. hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That it was no big deal because I could be there in no time and really see what's going on with my, with my asset. So, and then you, I you and I was talking one day and you said, what the Anna, have you thought about just buying white? Why are you not buying a property? And Dr. Rachel, you said this, do you have any money saved? You don't remember that, do you? He was like, do you have money for a down payment? Well, how much money do you have for a down Well, you I'm that getting, well, you, she knows these. She was getting all of your business. <laughs> oh, and you know what? And I didn't even mind because I had the money sitting right there in my savings and it was just sitting. And you was just like, Deanna, you do realize that you have enough money to put that as a down payment in order to buy a, to purchase a property? And I was like, yeah, you're kind of right about that. So that's when, that's kind of when, that was part of the shift for me, getting out of there, realizing that I had the money. It's just sitting there, realizing that all these appointments that I was dragging myself on, trying to arbitrage, it was just exhausting. So and that's when the shift disclaimer, happened. Disclaimer, I'm not against arbitrage. Yeah. We have a couple ourselves. No. And there's a fit, you know? It's a good fit. If you need some right. cash flow, but I saw you hopping from here to here and here. I was like, Deanna, right. I think you can right. buy something. <laughs> right. And you knew that I wanted to you know? go a little bit deeper with my generational wealth. You knew that. Yeah. So that's that's my feeling. That's why I felt like you suggested me doing a purchase rather than an arbitrage. Yeah. And you were right. I got to give you your props. You were right about it. So, but that's when the shift happened for me. Realizing that's that awesome. it was more about ownership rather than arbitrage. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to ever try the arbitrage method mm -hmm. because I might still. Yeah. Heck, I got to get rid of all that stuff in my garage that's just sitting, <laughs> right? So, but anyway, that that's when the shift took place for me. And what I think is going to be interesting when you launch your arbitrage, if you so choose yeah. to, it's going to come with a different swagger, right? Imagine you yeah. have your beach property we haven't talked about, Miss Beach property. You have your beach property. Now you want to arbitrage. You have a, there's a different, you move differently. Oh, right. you come right. in differently. It's no got longer. Swag going on, there's right. a swagger. Hang <laughs> on. I've already got this beach property over here. Let me see what else I can. So yeah. it, it comes from a place of abundance, I feel like. So I absolutely, I love that for you. So Deanna, let's talk to some other realtors and those who okay. maybe they have a variable income and may, well, they may not be realtors, but they have a variable income. Maybe they're a hotelier or a waiter or waitress or someone who doesn't have like a steady income. How do you come up with a down payment? How do you create that? What's a couple strategies that we can give to, although I have my bills, my every month, I don't know what my income is going to be. How do I still create generational wealth with an STR? What are some first steps? What do you, what, what would you suggest? Well, to be perfectly honest, I've always had good credit mm -hmm. and have never tapped into it. So I'm just going to say that if you want to start a business, 
that's something that you can tap into. You can tap into your your business credit mm. or start building business credit in order to do it. That's a way that you can do it. You can partner with someone, maybe get a loan, a family member, a friend, somebody that you trust. Maybe you can link up with a wholesaler and try to create a finance method, or you can try to get some type of assistance because there are some type of loans out there. I think there are what, 203K loans? Yeah. You can get right. So there's so many different ways to achieve this. Just because you feel like, I mean, just like you might feel like you don't have enough money, you might not have any experience, any uh, enough experience. There's different ways to accomplish getting what you want to get done by purchasing your property. So, like I mentioned, if you can't go the traditional finance away by getting a mortgage, you can try to reach out to a wholesaler, maybe on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, and try to seek out the areas, of course, where you want a short-term rental partner with somebody, you know, and maybe even do the arbitrage method until you can get some money under your belt. Mm, That is so good. That is so good. And so what's been interesting is a lot of the members in our community have even their primary homes, they've leveraged the use of some revenue from their primary homes. And of course, Deanna and I aren't financial advisors, so we're just going to put that out there. But you know, whether it's a HELOC to create a little bit of a a pot to get that down payment. I've seen so many different interesting strategies come through. And so always love sharing that information with our community. It's like, well, how did you, we go deep. We're like, well, how did you get your down payment? And how did you, these are things we discuss behind closed doors because you know what? A lot of times what we hear in that room inspires someone else to say, oh, okay. Right. So it's possible, right? right? It's no longer this woo-woo thing out there. Oh, she's she's just banking. And when they tell you exactly how they did, you're like, oh, maybe I can do that too. And so I really love that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I didn't mention the fact that you could try to do a, right now interest rates are kind of crazy, but you could do a cash out refi too. That's another way. That is another way. A cash out refi. And we've heard some members of our community leverage those as well. All right. So, so let's talk about the property. So Deanna, you decided, you know what, I'm going to look, you placed the property under contract Mm -hmm. that fell through. Remember? Yes. Okay. I I canceled the contract. Yes. Yeah, you did. So guys, it wasn't a slam dunk. Okay. When I tell you Deanna went through the ringer, she went through the ringer. So tell us about that. This contract that you canceled, what happened? Oh, I had checked one at this property, beautiful, almost sat on an acre of land. I felt like it was going to be great, wonderful in order to do short-term rentals. But then I had already started the process in finding out the regulations and the real estate agent that I chose claimed to be knowledgeable, claimed to know where we could short-term rental and where we couldn't. And she really didn't. In fact, after I went through all of my research, I was actually educating her Mm. on the process. I found out information and regulations and I had documents and things that she didn't even know existed. 
Oh my goodness. And you're out of state, by the way. I'm out of state. She's in her home. She's in her home field, so to speak. Right. In her market, in her market. And I knew more than she did. And so I ended up losing, because I'm going to be honest, I ended up losing a little bit of money because I had the contract tied up. And so I ended up losing, I think, about a thousand dollars. And I was okay with it because I felt like it was one of those where if I tried to squeeze this a round peg into a square peg, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't happen. I was just mm-hmm. I was just forcing it. I would be just forcing it just to say that oh, okay, well, I have my first investment property or I have my first short term rental. And I no, I did not want to do that. So I went ahead and canceled the the contract. So mm-hmm. long story short, I started over with another realtor. And it was because the other realtor was a referral. And the referral came from Annette Forbes, excuse mm-hmm. me, mispronouncing her name, Annette mm-hmm. Forbes. And she actually, she's a member of the academy. She's been a wonderful resource. I can't even tell you about all the ways that she has really <laughs> helped me. And she, she tells me uh, the ways you helped her too. So I love that the feeling is mutual. That's awesome. Oh, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. So she put me in touch with her realtor. And when I tell you, this realtor never missed the beat. All the different locations and properties that I thought I wanted, he was saying no. I was like, no, what you mean no? He's like, no, it's not going to work. I, he was like, oh, well, I have two short-term rentals and I know this market and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to let you do you. I so love it. Every I love time it. I felt like I was getting close. Uh huh. He was like, nope, <laughs> nope. And so finally, he just told me, he said, look, Deanna, he said, my friend is getting ready to sell one of his properties. And I think it would be a perfect fit for you. And so I was just like, okay, well, when is he going to sell the property? Right. So he never, his friend never sold the property. It just so happened that the same location where he knew that I wanted to be a property became available mm-hmm. and everything just from there, it just, everything just started falling into place. I cannot even tell you how many blessings that my husband and I have received from just purchasing this property. I mean, it just it's just been blessings. Everything has been working out. It's been so easy. It's just been amazing. And we love it. We love it. Oh, I love that. So Deanna, you spoke on a few things here, which I thought was very okay. interesting. The fact mm-hmm. that you said you understood the regulations in a market that's foreign to you more right. than the realtor. And here's the biggest mistake, guys. When I first started off with short-term rental investing, I thought to myself, I read everything I could. I listened to all the podcasts. So what's my obvious first step, right? Go and find any realtor. (laughs) Big mistake. You quickly realize, oh no, this realtor doesn't know what it is that I'm looking for, even in the property. Because when it comes to short-term rentals, I don't necessarily need the A-plus schools, right? I don't necessarily need the bigger bedrooms or the ginormous closets, right? That's not what I necessarily need. So even from the way the house is made up and the regulations, let's talk about that, Deanna. So you said that 
The realtor said they were well-versed with short-term rentals, but yet you were able to get more regulatory compliance knowledge than they were. How did that happen? Well, it happened because I followed your your guideline. And you, oh you're always saying regulations before what? Numbers. <laughs> Numbers, right? Yeah. So I did, I started researching and I started, I called the, the clerk's office. Yeah city of Gulfport, I did a Google search and I just started really searching. And then I was put in touch with the person that's actually over the short-term rental department. And this person was nice enough to email me extra documents that I couldn't find online because I just wanted to make sure. But I want to say something. I want to kind of step back and go back in terms of realtors, finding the right realtor. Yeah. I think it's important for you to find the right realtor. A lot of realtors will tell you that they are educated and they're knowledgeable when it comes to knowing the regulations and some of them are not. They're just trying to get a commission. Mm -hmm. And then you have other realtors where they are, you're basically doing their homework for them. They are investors Mm -hmm. and their first goal is to secure their properties first. And they're not really that dedicated. They're not dedicated at all. So that was another thing that I ran into other realtors that I thought would be a good fit. And there just wasn't. They were busy buying up everything that they could buy up. And I don't even know if I was pushing them in that direction. But it's important to really make sure that you have a right realtor that has your best interests at heart. I think that's a whole word and a whole interview because that's something that I am coming to understand more and more about. And I think it's interesting. And so there's there's a balancing act, right? Because the realtors who are very well versed in STRs and who knows exactly what the market Mm -hmm. is, exactly where to invest. Some of them are the ones that are snatching up all the STRs. And those are the ones are knowledgeable, but then those who aren't the most knowledgeable, they may not be snatching up the STRs. So either way, hope all is not lost, guys. Here's what I preach to the students within the community is you need to know the regulation. You you can't ever go back to a realtor and say, hey, you led me astray. I mean, boo-hoo, right? You're a grown adult, no offense, Mm -hmm. but you need to know the regulations so if you were to go into a market and the realtor has no clue, no clue about SCR, no clue, you, I say, if you can't find a realtor, it's okay. You have everything you need. You have the tools that you need. You navigate with them and you can still close even if your realtor does not have all of the knowledge on SCRs. You need to do your right. diligence. Sure. Right, Deanna? Yeah. Yeah. So regulations before numbers. I don't even want to go fast past that. I don't want to go fast. This is not something that you don't know how many people have come back to me to tell me, Rachel, you saved my life on this deal. Because once I called the county clerk, there was nothing anywhere to be found. You said they Mm -hmm. sent you extra documents that were not, you weren't able to find. The realtor didn't know existed, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's that is the key is to call. People mm-hmm. have called me to say, had I not called, 
Had I not called, yeah. there were three days from closing. They're like, oh, they just heard me on a podcast or somewhere where I said, call the county clerk, say what is in draft. All bets were off when they saw they were like, oh my goodness, by calling. Yeah. I, I There was a couple, they had taken their whole life savings, their kids' college fund. Um, they're Ooh. from India. They came and they had worked hard and they saved up the kids' college fund to create generational wealth, Deanna. Three days out from closing, turns out this property was in a banned area, short-term rental area that was banned, and the realtor told them it was okay. Yeah, and the thing about it is as a when you get a property under contract or you get somebody's property under contract, you have to pay them. When you put down your earnest money deposit, EMD, yeah, you have to pay them at least half of that because Mm -hmm. you've locked up their property. You've prohibited or kept them from selling their property to, to someone, someone else. else yeah so you have to pay all those days off the market or whatever yeah right exactly so i mean you're still losing money but hopefully you didn't put that down that much that's why it's important not to try to come in and say okay well i want to put twenty thousand dollars down because exactly. i really want this property be careful what you're putting down always ask what is the least amount of my earnest money deposit that i can put down that yeah. way, if something happens, you won't be losing a whole ton of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love this conversation. Love this conversation. So, Deanna, I am just super inspired by you. I wanted us to come here and just to inspire others who are thinking to themselves, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe there's not a way, but maybe there is, right? I know a lot of people are right now, they're going through some regulatory constraints. And that's why we actually have been doing a lot of teaching on the midterm rental strategy, right? So how do we position ourselves with the midterm rental strategy in order to make sure that we can still be profitable And so the midterm rental strategy is the 30 night strategy, which that I don't love. If anyone comes to me and they say, hey, I'm just going into the midterm rental strategy. I'm going to buy something. No, we don't go into it. (laughs) But if we find ourselves in that position, we're able to position ourselves to still do well. Okay, so we don't go in planning to be limited to a 30 night minimum. Right. Want to demystify what it looks like to request and to propose your monthly rate to the insurance, right? I feel as though we've been paying insurance forever and a day. When it's time for them to pony up, it's time for them to pony up, right? Exactly. They're going to come and try to lowball you, but we're not having any of that. You're in this community because you want that education and friends don't let friends get lowballed. We're going to debunk any types of responses that you're afraid to share. So any responses that you need to give to the actual client, the guest, and then the B2B types of responses that you want to convey to the actual insurance company. So those are two separate conversations, right? So you need to know how to address both. And so really excited to bring this to you. This is not coming from any type of didactic background. This is tried and true. As a matter of fact, someone pointed out to me back in 20, I want to say late 2019, early 2020, 
I actually wrote an article about this in Bigger Pockets. I was like, oh, I didn't I? And it was actually my first insurance guest. And I talked about another hidden secret in the short-term rental realm that no one was talking about. And that was it. And mm -hmm. so this is what we have been doing in some of the properties in our suburban market. So much so that we have guests at several of the properties who have been there for months and months. They have now, they're transitioning out, homes built, they're set, they're good to go on the 30th and the 31st of this month. Today and tomorrow, they're checking out. And unfortunately, due to someone was upset with Walmart, there was an arson in our community and they burned the Walmart. I want to say 20, about 30% of the Walmart is burnt down and it was uncanny. If I could tell you that this was something that I expected, right? So we're thinking, okay, let's go ahead and take our nights back up to 10 night minimum. We're at 30 night minimum for this particular situation. Let's go back. We'll take it to a 10 night minimum. But right before we we're able to do that, the restoration, several out-of-state restoration companies reached out. They're flying in to repair the Walmart. And so this is our Walmart. And whenever you have a disaster, it's quite unfortunate. But although it's unfortunate, those who may have been impacted, if it's their own property, if it's their dwelling, they need a place to stay. And if it's at this caliber, you have to bring in others from maybe out of state. They're bringing in others from their corporate restoration team flying in out of state to then do the repairs and the restoration and the renovation. And so that's going to take a bit, right? And so now from September 1st, remember I said they're checking out on August 30th, September 1st, we have a new batch of folks checking in to the end of the year. And so this is something that you can't necessarily predict, but this is who we serve with the midterm rental strategy. And this is primarily in the markets that are in the suburban markets, okay? And we still don't know the details of the Walmart, but they're thinking it was a TikTok challenge. I don't know, which is sad. So some young person has probably ruined their lives, unfortunately. But all this to say that the midterm rental strategy is something that I see a lot of people are interested in. I just so appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you were inspired. I hope you get to see what's possible when you don't give up, when you're patient, when you keep plugging away. I hope you can see what's possible. And I know I'm inspired. So I thank you so much thank you. for sharing with everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.